The reading this evening will be various verses from Proverbs, starting at chapter 12, verse 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Wealth attracts many friends, but even the closest friend of the poor person deserts them. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Whoever would foster love covers over an offence, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. One who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family, and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbour nearby than a relative far away. Thank you, Deborah, for reading for us. Um, you'll have picked up that you're going to need the handout as you came in, um, this, this little one. On the inside, we've got some verses printed, and then on the back, if you missed that, uh, other uh, final verses. We figured that's just a bit easier for us than just flicking through the pages of Proverbs. Uh, just have it all in one place. But of course, you've got a Bible. Feel free to look them up, although it'll be a slightly different translation um, as you do. Now, as uh, Johnny mentioned, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to finish the series on Philippians next Sunday evening. Please do come back uh, for that. But uh, we're going to return to Proverbs. Now, if you can remember, way, way back in the midst of time, uh, pre-coronavirus, pre-lockdown, pre-hand sanitizer and face masks, the beginning of 2020, uh, we looked at the book of Proverbs, and we read all the way through from Proverbs chapter 1 to uh, chapter 9. And we looked there at this series of long lectures uh, by King Solomon um, to give us wisdom. But the way the book works is from chapter 10 onwards, uh, the Proverbs are no longer lectures, but they're this, these sort of individual pithy sayings, as we had uh, read to us, and they're about a variety of topics. And they're given in, in that way, really, so that they lodge in our brain, so that we remember them. Uh, they're memorable. They're there to be read and meditated on and thought about and memorized. And the reason for that is so that when life's situation comes up, we know what to do. We have the wisdom in order to make a good decision at that time. Now, there are loads of different areas we could have chosen, but this evening we've gone for the subject of friendship. Of course, that's one that will affect all of us. And it's my hope that it will be practical, that it will be applied really well for us. But to that end, I really would encourage you, if you have a pen or if you want to make notes on your phone, to do so. Uh, we've left space in the handout for you to, to make some notes. This is a particular sermon where it'll be helpful to do that, uh, to give us something to talk about afterwards uh, and discuss with uh, one another, and stuff for us to think about uh, as we go away. Now, before we get into it, let me uh, read a verse and pray um, as we begin. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5, says this. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Lord God, as we come this evening to your word, we come with the thought in our mind of this morning where we saw the the good uh, portion to listen to the Lord Jesus, to sit at his feet and hear what he says in his word. And we want to do that this evening. Lord, would you, as we sit under your word tonight, would you make us wise? Would you help us to rightly fear you, that as we go through life we may make good decisions that please and honour you? In Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see if you recognise these names. Rachel, Phoebe, Monica, Ross, Chandler and Joey. Friends. Biggest sitcom of the 90s and the early 2000s. Last year there was a 25-year anniversary of the last episode, if you remember that. It's a show that was set in New York, if you're not familiar. Uh, It was set around a coffee shop and the apartments of six 20-somethings. And it was a show that shaped today's 30-somethings and 40-somethings. If you can remember back to that era, uh, it was quite the phenomenon. Uh, Women started to wear their hair like Rachel, and men started to joke like Chandler and eat like Joey. And as you walk down Morningside Road, you have evidence of a cultural shift at that time, because coffee shops have become the place to hang out. And it really was, I think, that that changed British culture in that regard. It's hard really to think of a show more influential in the last 30 years. Now, it was a popular TV show, but it wasn't one that focused on solving crime, and it wasn't one that focused on the workplace or sports, and not even about family. It was about friendship. And it taught a generation what friendship is supposed to be all about. And it moved, I think, the cultural mindset to say that it was not family, but friendship in which you could have the most fulfilling of all human relationships. The theme tune said, I'll be there for you. No matter what happened, friendship would endure. And it did, at least in the show. It endured through marriages and divorces, through job changes, through house moves, and even the more nasty and serious aspects of life, of betrayal, of lies, and of cheating. I realise that some of us will not have any idea what I'm talking about um, with that show, but either because we're too young or because we're too old or because it just never interested us. But I just start with that because it's good for us to recognise as we come to this area of friendship that our view of what it means to be a friend and what friends are like has been shaped by several things. So it's been shaped, of course, by our own personal experiences of friendship throughout our lives, but it's also been shaped by our media, and especially, I think, the lyrics of songs and by TV shows. And there are loads of them. There's Friends, of course, but before that there were Cheers and Golden Girls and Happy Days, if you can go right the way back, or more recently things like Skins or Gossip Girl or uh, Stranger Things or lots more. Popular culture's got a lot to say about friendship. And it'd be pretty naive to think that we haven't been shaped in some way by that. But have you ever allowed 
God's word to shape your friendships? Have we ever allowed God's word to shape us in regard to the kind of friend that we are to others? Now, my guess is that for most of us, we've never really thought about it. There's no book in the Bible that speaks more about friendship than the book of Proverbs. And tonight what we're going to do is there's a small selection of the verses which talk about it. There are actually more, there's lots more in Proverbs, uh, but we've just chosen 12 verses, and they're going to give us three main things to learn, three main points of wisdom for us in this area. And you'll see that laid out uh, on the handout uh, there. So here's the first one. That's what friends are for. Learn to choose your friends wisely. Proverbs 12, verse 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Now, some of you I know are starting uni or have just started at university, and so you're meeting loads of new people, and some of the people that you meet in the first few days of university will be lifelong friends. Some of us here have moved to the city in the last couple of years, and we're still developing our new friendships here. We're still settling in. And there'll be some of us, of course, who've been settled here for a long time, and our friendships are really well established. Well, this first proverb teaches this, that the character of the people that we choose to be our friends really matters. And it matters at any stage of life. And it teaches us that that it matters, the character of our friends matters because we tend to go the way our friends go. That friends lead us one way or another. Actually, that's quite a clear message in Proverbs. You see it quite a few times in the first six chapters of the book, if you can remember it. That if we listen to the voices of wicked people in particular, that we will be led astray by their ways, that we will go the way that they go. Now, we don't tend to think like that, do we? Most of us think something like this. Well, I'm I'm a strong person. I've got an inner strength and resolve. Um, I can identify it when a friend says or does something wrong. And I can resist it. I, I don't need to go that way just because they are. That's what we think. But though that may be true on some occasions, that's not the wisdom of Proverbs. In fact, Proverbs warns strongly and repeatedly just how easily we are led by those we're in close relationship with. So the principle is this, a wise person will not have their closest friendships with those who are ungodly. Why? Because they will be led astray into ruin. Now, just to be really clear, that's not saying, by the way, that Christians cannot be friends with those who do not know Christ. That's not saying that. Jesus Christ, the wisest man who ever lived, befriended all kinds of people so that they might hear about what he's done for them. This isn't advocating for some kind of holy exclusion zone around your life where only the right kind of people get a look in. It's not saying that. It's a principle that we need to listen to. 
It's wisdom. It's saying, be careful about your closest relationships, where you invest your life and who you invest your life with. And the reason why is that we tend to be pulled into ungodly lifestyles. We go the way our friends go. So on the other hand, it's also the principle that if we choose to enter into close relationships with the godly, well then we'll be prone to walk the way that they walk, to walk the path that they're on. Now the next proverb on the sheet is an example of a proverb which says that choosing a godly friend really pays off. Proverbs 18, verse 24. One who has unreliable friends who comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now let's just pay attention to a couple of things here in this proverb. Um, first of all, in, in choosing friends, it's, it's the quality not the quantity that counts. The writer shows us that by speaking in plural and then singular. Did you notice that? It's unreliable friends, plural. There is a friend, singular. Lots of friends who are unreliable are way worse than having one friend who is absolutely loyal. If you're going to choose, that's what you need to choose. Now, the second thing that we need to notice, the particular quality that we need to choose when choosing a friend is loyalty. So the word ruin that comes there in the first phrase, it's, it's literally to be broken into pieces, like a sort of a piece of smashed pottery, or it's an army that, that routs uh, when the attack uh, comes from the enemy. See, lots of friends are so shallow that, that they abandon you when you need them most and, and they leave you feeling broken into pieces. They aren't reliable. You, you can't lean on them in the tough times. You can't depend on them to love you when you mess up, as you certainly will. See, Proverbs says we must look for a better quality friend than that, one who will stick with us and who will love us in a way that even a brother won't. There's a great scene in The Lord of the Rings. And the book is really a book all about friendship. In the story, Frodo leaves the group, and he leaves without telling them where he's going. He's going to carry out his task of destroying the ring without putting the rest in danger. But his best friend, Sam, he catches up to him And this is what he says. You can trust us to stick to you through thick and thin to the bitter end. And you can trust us to keep any secret of yours closer than you keep it yourself. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone or go off without a word. We're your friends, Frodo. And Tolkien, of course, understood this proverb well. Look for a friend who is loyal, one who through thick and thin will remain true. A friend like that is worth their weight in gold. And this is a particularly godly characteristic, isn't it? Faithfulness. They're faithful just as the Lord is faithful. They're when you need them. 
They will not leave you to be broken. They will not abandon you when you mess things up. You can lean on them and they'll say that's what friends are for. So that's the first point of wisdom for us. Learn to choose your friends wisely. Look for a godly friend, particularly one whom loyalty is a high value. Here's the second thing. Ain't no friend of mine. Whilst we should look to choose the right friends, we need to learn to choose, not to choose our friends badly. This is on the second side of the sheet. Three proverbs there on, the, on that sheet. Three examples of bad friends, friends that we're to avoid having. And of course, we're to avoid being, I guess, ourselves. We're to avoid fake friends, fickle friends, and foul friends. It's very hard to say quickly. The fa- avoid the fake, the fickle, and the foul. Proverbs 16, verse 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. A person who'll be one thing to your face but another behind your back is not a true friend. They're a fake friend. The perverse person and the gossip here, well, they distort reality to put others in the worst light. They cause problems in relationship by the tales that they tell on others. And they enjoy the trouble that they cause by sowing suspicion and promoting hostility. If you've ever been around anyone like that, you know that they, they do it in such a way that, that they themselves don't appear to be the cause of the problem. They're just reporting what others have done. These people don't make good friends. They destroy your relationship with others and eventually, of course, with them too. We need to steer clear of people like this. Now, we might ask, well, how can you spot them? How do you know if someone's like that? Well, they're the kind of people who are nice to people's faces, but when they're alone with you, well, they complain about them to you. See, they won't won't challenge someone directly about an issue, but they will grumble about them to you and to others. Now, of course, if that's the case, it's quite likely that if they're grumbling about others to you, that they're grumbling about you to others as well. They're not the person to invest a close relationship into. They're a fake friend. Proverbs 19, verse 4. Wealth attracts many friends, but even the closest friend of the poor person deserts them. This is the fickle person. Some people are just like that, aren't they? They're friends with you when they can benefit from you, but when you've got nothing to offer them, they disappear. And this can be in all kinds of areas, but particularly here it mentions wealth. And so those of us who have wealth, we should be wary of this. Some will be, look to be your friend for what they can gain, but not for what they can give. And when things turn for the worse, well, they go in another direction. True friends are consistent in all circumstances. They're not fickle. They will be with you not only in the palace, but also in the pit. 
And of course, that's where you really need them, isn't it? Okay, how about Proverbs 22, verse 24 and 25 there? Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Some people are just foul in character. And here is, is the idea of anger that's in view. Some people, just, they just lose it in fits of rage. And sometimes just over not much at all. We're warned here not to be friends with that kind of hothead. But perhaps it's a surprising reason. Just have a look, another look down. It's don't make friends with a hot-tempered person. But why? Do not associate with one easily angered. Why? You may learn their ways. It's not primarily that you may be on the end of it, although I suggest that you might be. It's because you might end up like them, that you'll learn their ways, you'll get yourself ensnared. And that's what this behaviour buys them, isn't it? They're, it buys them their own self-destruction. They become ensnared. These people they, and those other behaviours that are so destructive, well, they need the gospel. They need to be saved from such destruction. And so we must give them that, but we mustn't bind ourselves to them in close, intimate friendship, or we may find ourselves in the same place. That's the second point of wisdom. We don't just need to know what we look for in friendship, we need to know what not to look for, what to avoid. So we're to avoid the fake, the fickle, and the foul... Here's the third point of wisdom on the back page. You've got a friend in me. Learn how to be a great friend. Now, choosing friends is important, and, and we've been spending most of our time thinking about other people that we can be friends with, but actually being a good friend, that's more important. And of course, it's the thing that you can affect the most. Sometimes you can't affect the way that others will behave, but you can affect yourself, can't you? What does it take to be a great friend in God's eyes? Well, the short answer is this, that you will love your friends more than you love your own life. Let me just show, show you that in these verses. Here we've got um, verses, two big ways, really, that we can practically love people better. We're just going to take the, they're printed in the order that they come in in Proverbs. We're just going to look at the third, fourth, and fifth ones here on the, on the list on the back page. And collectively they teach this, be a great friend by graciously speaking the truth to them. So Proverbs 22, verse 11. One who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend just a couple down, 27 verse 9. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. So to be a good friend, first of all, it, it takes a pure heart. To be godly, that comes first. So you, that your friend can know when you speak words to them, when you speak kind words, you don't speak with flattery, you don't speak to manipulate, wanting to get something from them. See, kings and 
other powerful people. Well, they're used to people speaking like that to them. They're used to people speaking to them in order to, to get something from them, aren't they? But this friend, he speaks genuinely, with pure motives, with kindness, with grace. Gracious in their speech, not harsh or rude. They say things that are purely for the benefit of their friend, not for their own benefit. Their speech is a gracious gift to them, not expecting anything in return. Like that fifth proverb says, their advice to them is like Chanel number five. It comes as a free gift of grace from a pure motive, and it smells sweet. But as we look at the fourth proverb on page two, back page, Though a great friend's speech is sweet, it's not flowery. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now, what does that mean? Well, I've got to say, this is, this is actually one of my favourite proverbs, and it's one that's lodged in my mind as a result of, um, it, as a result of that. It's got two oxymorons in it. Friendly wounds and wounding kisses. Here's the point. A great friend won't stand by and watch someone they love drift into sin. If you love your friend, you won't be able to stand there and watch sin take hold in their life. You will challenge them on it. And you'll run the risk of upsetting them. You will give them a friendly wound. And it can be trusted because you love them. But an enemy, on the other hand, well, they're never going to challenge someone on sin or self-destructive behavior. They want your destruction. And so they just sort of encourage you on your way. They encourage you on your way into sin. They tell you that how right you are to carry on doing what you're doing. They give them wounding kisses. A friend's plain speech will wound in the sense that they probably won't like it. And it may hurt them. But they'll do it anyway because they know it will save them. And actually, if you can... I was thinking, just as we were preparing this, if you think back to this morning, and we saw Jesus speaking to his friend, to Martha, he was willing to give her a wound in order to save her. It can be trusted because it comes out of a heart of love for them. In the New Testament, uh, the Apostle James, uh, or the, gospel, the, the writer James, he picks up on this at the end of his letter, James chapter 5, Verse 19, he says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. A real friend wounds to save. Let me ask you, do you have a friend like that in your life? You need one. But more importantly, are you that kind of friend to others? So that's the first 
think about how we can be a great friend by graciously speaking the truth to each other, by wounding each other in order to save. Now the first two verses on the back page and the last verse teach a second point. They teach us to be a great friend by overcoming adversity with love. Overcome adversity with love. We actually saw this point a little bit at the beginning on the first um, proverb, that a great friend sticks closer than a brother. And here we just add a little bit of colour to that. Proverbs 17, verse 9. Whoever would foster love covers over an offence, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. So your great friend, they cover over sin. They forgive. So two friends are two sinners walking in close proximity to each other. Friends sin against each other, and they do it all the time. I've sinned against all of my friends and they've all sinned against me. And what a great friend does is they overcome that, and they do so by overcome it by covering the offence with forgiveness. They don't hold a grudge. They don't nurture a grudge by harping on about it to others. They don't keep a record of wrongs. So the wisdom here is to be a great friend by never allowing an offence against you to drive a wedge in between you, to cover it with forgiveness. I don't think here this is talking about the most serious of sins. Some things will need a lot more work than that. But there are lots of small sins between two people, aren't there, that need covering over with forgiveness It's more than just overcoming sin. We're to overcome adversity together. And adversity is often the point at which a true friend is revealed. This is in Proverbs 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for time of adversity. Proverbs 27, verse 10, the last one there. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family, And do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbour nearby than a relative far away. So just as fickle friends disappear when the going gets tough, great friends draw even closer in that moment. They don't run away. They stand next to you when trouble comes. They're there when the exams are failed. They're there when the kids are too much. And when things are too much, they're there when work is tough and redundancy is tougher. They're there through court proceedings and divorce proceedings. They're there with you at the bedside and at the graveside. They face trouble with you. And they even at times take trouble for you. There's an old joke told. Two friends were out walking in the forest and suddenly one yelled and the other looked up to see a huge grizzly bear charging them. 
And the first guy, he immediately takes off his bag, he pulls out his trainers, and is quickly fastening them on. And his friend says to him, look, what are you doing? You can't possibly outrun a bear. And the first friend says, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. It's an old joke. A great friend says, you run, I'll face the bear. And he does that because he loves his friend more than he loves his own life. Trouble comes and he bears the load. Excuse the pun. Jesus Christ once said this to his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is where we end. Proverbs instructs us how to be a great friend, but it also points us to the greatest friend that we can possibly have. Jesus Christ is more than a friend to us, certainly, but he's no less than a friend. And he's a far greater friend than any other. And I wonder, did you notice as we went through, that Jesus is exactly the kind of friend that Proverbs describes. He's wisdom personified in this regard. He's not wicked. He's not unreliable. He's not fake or fickle or foul. No, he's faithful. He sticks closer than a brother. He's full of grace and truth. His word both wounds us and saves us. He covers over our sins with forgiveness. He never bears a grudge against us. And he never leaves us. And best of all, he's demonstrated that he loves us more than he loves his own life. He does not run from God's wrath against us, but faced it in our place and bore it in all its fierceness. He took the judgment we had brought upon ourselves because of our sins as he laid down his life as our substitute so that we could live. And that means that Jesus is the greatest friend that you could ever choose. But here's another remarkable thing. He chooses you. He goes on in John 15 to say this. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in, the name, in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Isn't that just astonishing? Jesus Christ says to those who trust in him, You've got a friend in me. Chosen by him to be his friend and then commanded to be friends as he is. 
to love each other as he has loved us, to in turn lay down our lives for our friends. Well, may we be that kind of friend to others. Let's pray and ask for his help. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Our Father, we praise you. We praise you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we are astonished once again that he might call us his friends. We praise you, Lord Jesus, that you did not just call us friends, but demonstrated your friendship to us by laying down your life to save us. Lord, would you change us? Would you help us to be that kind of friend to others? Lord God, we ask for your help. Help us to be wise. Help us to make the right choices. Help us to love people as you have loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.